this episode sucked. Can Todd Svensgaard. Everybody and welcome to yet another episode of Polonius Pundits. I am Kentad Spinsgard, and along with me, please say hello to your friend, your pal, Mr. AJ Mass. You know, there are some moments in, in this process where I question why we embarked on the journey. And I know it gets better, but I don't know if it gets much worse. <laughs> <laughs> AJ. Oh my god, let's just get started. This podcast is about the television program Criminal Minds. We recap and take an in-depth look at each episode of the show each and every week. I have never seen this show before, so I'm giving you that first watch perspective, while AJ is our grizzled veteran of the show who has seen each episode many times. Hopefully not this one, but... uh... (laughs) Yeah, you've uh, you've seen them all before. I've seen them all before, and uh, yeah, this one uh, certainly gets the uh, skip <laughs> when, when I go the, through the rewatch. But forced <laughs> to actually look at it with fresh eyes. Oh man, I, I'm glad to hear that you're feeling this way. I mean, okay, you guys heard the quote at the, be- the beginning of the show, and normally I wouldn't break the fourth wall like that, so to speak. But oh man, AJ, this one, I let me rant about it uh, for a bit. But first, let me explain which episode it was. This was our season two, episode 21 of Criminal Minds, and it was entitled Open Season. Uh, the episode was directed by Felix Alcala and written by Deborah J. Fisher and Erica Messer. It originally aired on May 2nd, 2007, and AJ. I can't even imagine at this time that this episode was great, but, you know, (laughs) let me stop giving my opinion of it. I had a rant all built up, but, you know, I I, I slept between the rant and now, and I don't feel the anger or the ire that I felt immediately after watching this episode. (laughs) Perhaps it'll come back to me, or perhaps during the course of our discussion, I will come to realize that I actually love this episode. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I I will be able to turn you around. I don't know why I would want to. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. So let's get into it. We open our episode on a beautiful shot. I will say that. Beautiful shot of the Boise National Forest in uh, Boise, Idaho. And uh, all of a sudden we see an injured man running through the forest, looking fearfully around, He's clearly being chased by someone or something. And we cut to elsewhere in the forest and we see a quick shot of a buck. And then we see a pair of hunters in their camouflage outfits, you know, stalking around. We get a quick shot of the buck running away. We cut back to the hunters who have apparently heard this noise. And then we get another shot cut to our fearful guy running. And then we see another shot of the buck running through the forest And we cut back to our hunters marching through the woods, bows and arrows at the ready. Our running man runs into a low-hanging branch and is knocked to the ground. The deer, we cut back to the deer. It's running wherever it's running to. (laughs) 
<laughs> and uh, our hunters, who we quickly learn are named Paul and Johnny, they have a quick discussion about Johnny needing to challenge himself to get better. Uh, and we cut to the deer looking around as we hear Paul tell Johnny to aim for the heart, try to avoid the shoulder blades, uh, just aim and shoot. And we see Johnny aim and shoot and his arrow thunks into the side of a tree. Then we see Paul taking aim and he fires off two quick shots. We hear the satisfying thud of successful hits and we cut to them overlooking their kill. But to our shock, <laughs> <laughs> it is not the deer that they were chasing after all, AJ. What? <laughs> it was our running man. In case you forgot what show we were watching, it's The Criminal Minds. <laughs> and... Paul tells Johnny not to worry. It took him a long time to kill his first big one. Johnny just needs more practice. Yeah. This this opening scene, I mean, obviously, uh, because of last week, you know, I told you what the plot was and, uh, you know, we'd mentioned it was going to be based on the most dangerous game and it was hunters hunting people. So, obviously, for that reason, you weren't surprised. But... I mean, could anybody have watched this and like <laughs> there's a guy running from something. Here are some hunters. There's a guy running from something. Here are some hunters. He they hit something, but we don't see what they hit. Oh my gosh, it's the guy! Surprise! Like Oh my goodness. Like either don't show the guy at all. Right. And then we think they're hunting the deer. Or you just go all in and say, hey, we're hunting a human. <laughs> like, there's yeah. just no element of surprise here. Agreed. Agreed. Let's move on, shall we? <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, yeah, because you know, it'll be open season on these writers as we go. Trust me. By the way, I, you know, Deborah J. Fisher and Erica Messer, I have nothing but respect for women working. I, I like that they're a team, that they always do their episodes together. I can't say that their episodes have been my favorite episodes. I don't want to pick on them, but I really felt, literally, I was angry after this show, AJ. But, but here, here's the thing, and this is, I, I truly believe this. If you're going to make fun of this episode because it's poorly written, that is the most equality you can give these <laughs> yes. female writers. Because whoever had written this episode, yes. I'm criticizing the writing of this episode that they happen to be women does not enter the equation. So that's my take on this. <laughs> Correcto. Correcto mundo. So next we cut to Garcia, JJ, and Emily. And this is maybe my favorite scene of the episode. <laughs> this is great. No, this scene is great. This is kudos. Right? More scenes like this. Yes. This is perfect. Emily is uh, at the bar and it looks like she's uh, flirting with the guy and uh, JJ and, and Garcia are like, damn, we just got here. And basically Emily walks up to the girls and introduces them to Brad, who's a real life FBI agent. So all of a sudden we know what's going on here. Garcia gives a fantastic line read. She says, really? What's it like at Quantico? <laughs> <laughs> just thought that was a great line read from Kristen Bangsness. Yeah, Kristen Bangsness. And uh, they basically mess with this guy for a while. 
he's they're letting him dig his own grave talking about how he can't give them too many details about his job uh it's about keeping secrets and kicking criminal ass <laughs> and i'm like dude is this really what what, what was working in 2006 <laughs> what, what what made me laugh about that even more is that's probably how the show was being promoted on cbs <laughs> Through their right. commercials. That they're, they're keeping secrets and kicking criminal ass. It's criminal minds. Wednesdays, 9 p.m. So, yeah, he's going on. It's classified, etc., etc. And that's why he can't provide them uh, his gun and badge. Because he's not supposed to show that type of stuff. And then Emily says, well, is it like this one? And pulls out her badge. And JJ and Garcia follow suit. Brad immediately knows which uh, way the wind is blowing and makes the quickest, most ungraceful exit possible. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're going to trash this episode a lot of the writing this episode. Yeah. Let, let's give props where they're due. That is the perfect button to this scene. <laughs> he doesn't have a response. He just turns and walks away. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and just to date the episode a little bit, Garcia tells Emily she's officially in her top eight and that she's going to be blogging about this later. my space (laughs) JJ's phone rings and we always know she should know better than to answer the phone if they want to continue having a fun night but of course she does because she's the responsible one and uh, she turns to the ladies and tells them that their fun is over (laughs) I, I think I wish we had started this count and and but we, we should always point out just how much alcohol goes undrunk on the show, how many fine meals go uneaten, the the, the stuff that they're about to dig into when these, they, they never come like as they're paying the check. Right, right. It's just as they're about to start whatever goodness they're about yeah, to start. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always like, all right, uh, the steak looks great. I mean, she Garcia pointed out they'd only been there for like five minutes. No, no fun, ladies. No, no fun. So next we cut to the BAU office and we have our quick JJ giving the briefing scene. A year ago, two victims from Washington State were found 200 miles away in the remote woods of Idaho. They had similar exit and entry wounds through the chest. They were found six or seven days after they were killed And it's clear from how they were dressed that they didn't go into the woods voluntarily. Well, there was also a third victim found yesterday. And we see a a picture of our runner from the first scene. Uh, Similar wounds. He hasn't been ID'd yet. Garcia is going to check for missing persons. And uh, this killer has killed males and females. Uh, The victims were found with their clothes on. No degradation. No experimentation. Doesn't look like a sexual crime. And uh, they point out that our guy from yesterday ran into a tree. How did he miss it? Hotch says he must have been too busy looking behind him. They show that the people, all of the people sustained wounds and and they just kept running. And Gideon gives us the pre-credit dramatic statement. The only thing you run that hard for dot 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 is your life. Criminal minds, criminal minds, criminal minds, criminal minds. It's criminal minds. Yeah, I think the one of the main problems I have with this episode is that the, they have written Morgan like an idiot. That Morgan has no idea 
What? More, actually, everybody in the BAU <laughs> seems idiotic this episode, but more like, how do you miss a huge tree? Because you're running. Like, it's the woods. Yeah. Like, it, it, you could have just easily been phrased, so you think he could have been running from something? Like, show that he has some thought into it. Like, how does one miss a huge tree as they are running as they are running through the forest? <laughs> how is this possible? <laughs> <laughs> Next, AJ, we come back and we're at the uh, BAU jet and Gideon gives us our opening quote. One man's wilderness is another man's theme park anonymous. <laughs> I like the quote. I actually do like the quote. Uh, so I'm going to give him a check mark for choice of quote. That's a fun one. <laughs> yes. We have our usual jet discussion. This killer is taking risks by transporting the bodies from Washington to Idaho. Duh. Uh, every year, a <laughs> hundred or so people go missing in Idaho's wilderness. There's millions of acres to cover. And about one-third of these people are never found. Seems like a good reason to pick this location. Privacy and the possibility that the body won't be found. Perfect. Uh, the offender must be comfortable in the woods. At this point, Prentice brings up her grandfather that retired to the French Alps. Uh, he never came down from the mountain. He lived off the land. She used to visit him a lot. Okay. I mean, that was kind of a weird character moment, but okay. Uh <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. It, 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 I, the jet is a perfect opportunity for character moments because like, what, they got time to kill, but not in the middle of the case right. discussion. <laughs> and, and not like, yeah, uh, so there's a lot of people are comfortable in the woods. You know who was comfortable in the woods? My yeah. <laughs> my, my grandfather who lived in France, which is so much like Idaho. Like, what? <laughs> Uh, he, he lived on the top of a mountain. <laughs> we we never get to watch the end of the football games, though. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's a really bad. That's a stretch for Heidi. I'm uh, sorry. Anyway. Uh, oh, yeah. Lordy. And so uh, Garcia beeps in on the instant computer connection that they have. Uh, <laughs> 2006 at almost you know 1080p quality. <laughs> you know, perfect speedy <laughs> connection from the ground to a plane. Sure. But she beeps in and uh, she's found so far 10 missing persons in Spokane County in the past five years. They were all in their 20s, early 20s, and they all disappeared in the spring and all of their cars were never recovered. She's going to start looking for the cars. Also, she mentions that the victim victim was ID'd through dental records. His name is Alex Harrison. He's from Washington. Last seen traveling to work in Spokane. And both the victims from last year were also traveling out of Spokane as well. Garcia has checked the roads. There's four major roadways into Spokane. And she lists them all. And for some reason, Gideon says <laughs> two. Uh, when she's talking about Interstate 2, Gideon says it at the same time as her because he's got... His Rand McNally's open <laughs> looking at it. I, I, on the one hand, you do think that is odd. Uh, on the other hand, uh, there's, there's two ways to read this. One of it's, it's, it's actually a really cool character moment. Like that, that's the kind of character stuff you want to see. He's like, yeah, Gideon's following along, and he's he he's not going to wait for her to give the answers. He's already looking it up, mm -hmm. and so he's he's playing along. That's that's the one. The other thing is that. Uh, Mandy Patinkin might be sitting there with the script and reading along. That's <laughs> <laughs> the idea that I got. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't have surprised me. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, Garcia is going to uh, check 
these roads out to see if there are police reports or roadside assistance calls coming from those highways that might match up with their cases. That's a great idea. I'm all for it. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, team then decides to split up between Washington and Idaho. And we next cut to the sheriff's station in. Well, before we before we cut, the, how they how they chose what's actually interesting to me is that Giddy goes, "Well, I'm going to Idaho, and that's fine." Gideon's Gideon's the boss, so you know he gets first draft pick. We we understand mm-hmm. that. He's like, Emily, you just told me a wonderful story about loving the woods. You're coming with right. me, okay? So is that why the story was there? Okay, fine. And then Morgan goes, "Hey, kid." You're going to Spokane. I want some fresh yeah. air. <laughs> yeah. That was just... I didn't know he had he had second dibs. If, I, I think it's it's how long you've been there. Although I, I thought maybe if Hotch wanted to intercede, he could have. Yeah, but it's just, it was almost like he's going, hey, shotgun. <laughs> Basically. Did you lose punch, bu- punch buggy read? <laughs> Pow. Oh, my gosh. So next we cut to the sheriff's station. It's in Deer Park, Washington. Reed, JJ, and Hotch go over some facts that we already know. The main new thing that they determine is that the wounds weren't caused by bullets and that each victim has two wounds. Our local sheriff, Raymond Schaefer, what a guy Raymond Schaefer is. He uh, comes in (laughs) to introduce himself and he seems to be very thankful for their presence. Uh, JJ asks him if he's notified Alex Harrison's family about his death yet. And the sheriff admits that he hasn't. He was waiting for them. He could use uh, the company, basically. J.J. volunteers to go with him. And as they're walking out, J.J. asks him if it's his first notification. And it is. He just got this job. J.J. says she'll give him some tips because it never gets easy. Uh, This father's worst nightmare is about to come true. Yeah, and this is that's great. JJ's awesome. JJ's we we love JJ. We we all know this. Um, I'm still trying to figure out how they're looking at these pictures of the victims with these holes that they clearly have ruled out bullets because there'd be much more damage if they were bullets, and, and you know they're not stab wounds by any stretch of the imagination, and they can't figure out what other weapons could possibly be that found in the woods yeah, where people hunt. <laughs> where people hunt yeah and they're like hmm well it's not bullets no not knife what else do people kill with when they're hunting mm, could be a slingshot and rocks i don't know it's like no maybe maybe uh lightning was it lightning strike no one like i mean how do you not go to arrows yeah i agree a hundred percent maybe they could have th- I thought I, it was a musket <laughs> an old-fashioned civil war musket <laughs> I mean, it's not rope. It's not lead pipe. Yeah. So, uh, it's, 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 okay, you know, sharp. You know, maybe you say, okay, maybe it was some implement and like a, you know, a, a screwdriver. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But so, so discuss, like, it's not a bullet. I don't know what it could be. Yeah, I, I could think of several things and arrows would come to mind. It's just, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh. Next, AJ, we cut to the Boise National Forest, where Morgan and Prentice meet with the head ranger. Uh, she is Lizzie Evans, and Gideon has stayed in town. We'll see why later. But he's got- well, Gideon has stayed in town because Maddie Patanka didn't want to go tracing yeah. through the woods. Let's be real here. <laughs> you guys go ahead. I, no, I'm staying in today. 
So Ranger Evans tells them that they've got to keep moving. They got to be out of there by nightfall. So Morgan and Prentice follow her off in whatever direction they're going. We cut back to JJ and our nervous looking sheriff knocking at the door of Mr. Harrison. Uh, He looks at their badges and asks them if this is about Alex and the sheriff can barely look him in the eye. And then we do a flashback instead of just showing us this scene right before they go up, we have to do it as like flashbacks so we can see that that the sheriff is doing each thing that JJ said. But, uh, We flash back to a few moments before and JJ is explaining that he has to politely ask them to sit and be prepared for a physical reaction. So we cut to Sheriff Schaefer asking Mr. Harrison if they can sit, but he says he'd rather stand. And uh, the sheriff says, I wish I didn't have to tell you this, but we found your son Alex in the Boise National Forest. And Mr. Harrison is like, so he's okay? (laughs) Uh (laughs) All right, you found him. Cool. And uh, the sheriff stands there kind of slack-jawed for a moment. So J.J. cuts on and says, sorry, but uh, he wasn't alive when we found him. Mr. Harrison starts to tremble with emotion, as one might expect. We flash back to J.J. telling the sheriff that denial is the first emotion. So be prepared to explain how you know that it's their child. We cut back to Mr. Harrison saying this must be some kind of mistake. Alex doesn't know anyone in Idaho. How do you know it's him? And the sheriff explains that it was the dental records. Uh, Mr. Harrison says he's lying. And the sheriff just really looks distraught at this. Like he's not responding how he had expected him to respond at all. And uh, we flash back to JJ telling him to be gentle, but to allow himself to show emotion, which will validate the family's feelings. Uh, And the sheriff tells her the first rule of the police force is no crying. Okay. (laughs) Is that the yes. first police force? Uh, that's what I was going to say. Really? Is that first rule of police force? Hey, don't pull out your weapon and shoot innocent civilians. Uh, take your damn knee off the neck before eight minutes goes by. Those are better rules than don't cry. Okay. But we all know those first two rules don't exist. Yeah. So, all right, anyway. so next, we cut back to the bleary-eyed sheriff. As the father is breaking down and the sheriff explains they're looking into the death as a possible homicide. Uh, JJ says, we're hoping you could answer some question. And the father is still just distraught. He starts to explain to us how Alex was a whiteout for the Huskies. The best whiteout in in recent memory for the Huskies, as a matter of fact. He was physical and strong and had great instincts. Uh, he wanted a career after graduation, though. He didn't want to be known as a jock. Yeah, and let me say, as he's doing this, he goes to the, the mantle and he pulls off the picture of a football game with no whiteouts in the picture. It's a picture of a football game in progress. You see the quarterback on the offensive line and no whiteouts, which means he does not have a picture of his son. <laughs> he has a picture of some <laughs> random football game going on here. Uh, Can you not get a picture of a wide receiver or just make him the damn quarterback because it doesn't really matter? To be fair, at least it looked like it was actually the Huskies. (laughs) Well, it was not actually the Huskies. (laughs) They were purple. Yes, but it was a high school team because the defense had 
LHS oh. on their helmets, which I assume is something uh, high school. Uh, okay. Blah, 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 blah. It was so bad, this picture. And this whole scene was like a really bad corporate, corporate instructional video. Like, what you must do is sit this person down. He may be in denial. I am in denial! <laughs> like, yeah. The whole scene is awful, but that... Just, that prop department failing me on that one it was just so blatantly obvious that there was no wide receivers in this picture <laughs> i admit that i didn't notice that aj but this but is what we, i'm here we, for i think we i think we look for different things and uh <laughs> i will count on you for the sports facts yeah i even thought it was washington because i saw purple i didn't even yeah, like well, I mean, it. that's fine you can't get the rights to it you're gonna ma- that would be i mean that doesn't even bother me that much just don't pick one with an obvious high school helmet. But you know, it just—it's just so silly. And <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, he—he he was he was president of the United States, and you show a picture of sheep. You know, it's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Match what you're talking. That's about. all. That's all. Yep. I know no one's gonna look at this except me, but you know. <laughs> so anyway, JJ is still sweet kind JJ and she says they'll stay there until the rest of the family arrives. We then cut back to Prentice and Morgan with Ranger Evans. Uh, she's talking about herself. They, they ask her some questions. Uh, she's been a ranger for about five years, but she's lived in these woods her whole life. Morgan <laughs> asks her. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. What did he ask her? Yes. Uh, if growing up out here helps her job. Ah! <laughs> Yeah, Morgan. Uh, but instead, uh, instead of like clowning him for that question, she instead does a little demonstration here. She asks them to look around and do they see or hear anything, anything at all? Uh, they both look around. Yeah, they both look around and they say no. And she says, well, there's a black bear about 25 yards to your right. And we get a quick shot. Clearly of a completely different day. You know, Stop footage, yeah. <laughs> of, of a black bear walking by. I gotta say, frankly, I'm a, I'm a little bit surprised when she asked them to take a look around that they didn't see the bear 25 years Of course years they away. would see the bear, because they looked around. Right? <laughs> like, Wouldn't like, they have seen the bear? <laughs> do you hear it? Do you hear anything? No? Well, there's a black bear over there. What? Oh, my good. That would have been impressive. Like, you know, oh, we didn't yeah. hear it. It could have gotten us. Like, no, look around. Do you see anything? No, nothing up my sleeves. Is this your card? Like, and now there's a black bear. <laughs> oh, it's uh, awful. Uh, yeah, whatever. Um, so Morgan points out an obvious fact. We're in a really remote space. <laughs> Basically, he's, he's saying, oh, this is, you know, it's very remote. And Prentice points out that it would be Really hard to find this location if you weren't familiar with the area. In other words, growing up around here is going to help help us with our job. Yes. <laughs> Jesus. <sighs> so they come to the, the taped off area of the crime scene and the ranger points out some boot tracks. She says they're the same tread but different sizes. So this tells them that there are at least two folks who know the terrain. And... From the area of the crime scene, they can look up and see various vantage points where you can look down and see where the victims were or the victim was. And the ranger points out that that's tactics that hunters use. Emily and Derek figure out based on that information, they now believe they know how Alex Harrison died. (laughs) 
Yes. They, they so, oh, two sets of blueprints. That means there must have been two people. <gasps> two wounds, two people. <gasps> we two, put two and two together, and we know everything now. <laughs> oh, please, guys, the writing. The writing. Oh, you're killing me. So next we cut to town, and... <laughs> Go ahead. And... Gideon has arrived at the gun shop uh, and he's in the parking lot area. He never goes into the shop in this scene. Doesn't need to because AJ. Because he encounters a young lad who I'm naming Johnny C. Exposition. C standing for convenient. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he meets this young lad who I'm assuming works for the gun shop, but maybe not. You know, he doesn't have any identifying tags on him. I think anything. he's just a townie who hangs out there. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, uh, and young lad, I mean, he's, made, what, maybe 14, 15? He, he he's, was in that weird, you can't really tell. Is he 11? Yeah. Is he 19? <laughs> anywhere right. between? I don't know. He looks Gideon over, and he says, uh, oh, I could tell you like the challenge of a bear, don't you? <laughs> now, when I look at Gideon, if I'm looking at him, <laughs> it seemed like a kind of a sales pitch almost, which is why I think maybe the kid worked for the hunting place, but maybe not. Uh, you're you're well, right. Look, he set this whole thing up. There's like a, a dead deer in the back of, of a pickup truck, and he goes, "Yeah, but you should see the other guy." <laughs> like what? <Right. laughs> this kid's a this kid's a clown. <laughs> like I don't get it. Yeah. Gideon, anyway, after the bear comment, tells the kid that he gets his meat from stores. And the kid is like, oh, you're one of those, huh? And I think, oh, okay, maybe it's going to go somewhere here. But that it's completely immediately forgotten. Uh, he tells <laughs> Kitty instead to be careful because in three days, it's going to get real busy on this mountain. Because, Ooh, ticking clock, ticking clock, ticking clock. <laughs> yes. Because uh, as Gideon asks him, he confer- and he confirms it is hunting season. And ever since they got printed up in some magazine they have loads of tourists that come up there to hunt so Gideon asks the kid well if I was going to take out an animal say from 100 to 200 pounds (laughs) bipedal in his 20s from Washington (laughs) (laughs) just saying Uh, what type of weapon would I use and the kid says well you'd use a shotgun or you'd use a compound bow And this kid loves his arrows, by the way. They make the most effective kill. They're not as messy as the shotguns, et cetera, et cetera. And Gideon is like, arrows. Ah. And he walks off away from the kid dialing his phone. Yeah, I mean, could you at least say thank you? (laughs) Yeah, he just takes off. We never see the kid again. (laughs) No, no. You were right. His, His convenient exposition. Kid, the, a, the, the, the kids the kid just solved the case <laughs> essentially for him yeah. by say by saying the word arrows <laughs> because otherwise they never would have figured out arrows are a weapon <laughs> even if they had started to go through the alphabetical list of all weapons <laughs> let's start somewhere in the middle and work our way back oh gosh a- axe <laughs> <laughs> Next, AJ, we cut back to Hotch over at the sheriff's office, picking up his phone. He puts Gideon on speaker, and uh, Gideon asks if the victim's wounds 
could possibly be from an arrow. Reed confirms that this is indeed possible. Reed confirms, without actually looking at the wounds, by the way, he's just sitting there going, you know, yeah, those could have been arrows. (laughs) Really? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then Gideon says... He makes the logical leap that, well, these victims must be being caught, taken to the woods, and hunted like wild animals. (laughs) Sure. Of course. (laughs) The logical leap there from error. Again, it's like, couldn't figure out the weapon, but already knows exactly (laughs) everything else about the case. Uh, we we got a dangerous game situation here. Could he he could have just said it, you know. Yes, have fun with it. Like, uh, <laughs> no, I you know, I just imagine a case some someday we like. Well, we know that these this is a pair because of the footprints. Even though I don't really know about that yet, but work with me. Uh, it's a pair, <laughs> and they like to hunt. Therefore, the weapon must be a sharp carrot. <laughs> <laughs> Long sigh. Go, Gideon, go. <laughs> uh, we next cut AJ to a car driving along on Interstate 2, driving towards Spokane. And the car seems to be having mechanical difficulties. So the woman driving it pulls over. It looks like she starts to call for help. And she gets through at first to someone, but. They can't hear her, but then she is super lucky, AJ, mm-hmm. because a tow truck pulls up right behind her. This is her lucky day. Yeah. Her phone had just lost its signal, but it doesn't matter now. She's got a tow right there. And then Creepy Paul and Johnny are outside of either window of hers, and she realize immediate, realizes immediately that these guys are no bueno. Yes. Well, you know... Your strategy, if you're going to be kidnapping random people on the side of the road, is probably not to creep up on them. Each of you take one side of the car and kind of go, Need any help, miss? (laughs) 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 That's probably not the the, the way you should go about it. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I agree 100%. Let's put some subterfuge on it. Uh, look, looks like it's lo- your lucky day. We have you driving by. I saw you pull over. Is everything all right? <laughs> Conversational yeah. something. Both of you don't have to come out of the car immediately either. Yeah. Hey, my brother's and in the car. Uh, we can help you. <laughs> and and avoid the creepy stairs. That's it. <laughs> don't be sus out the gate. Yeah. <laughs> don't go. Don't go doing your task and just three people in the room <laughs> kill the other uh, astronaut. <laughs> Not how this works. <laughs> we uh, come back next to the sheriff station, and Schaefer is telling JJ that he's going to be checking out all the hunting licenses. And JJ basically tells him he sucks because he hasn't even listened to their profile yet. And he's like, Duh, "What are you saying?" And she says, "Well, come on in here." And they walk into the room, and we start our profile scene. No, no, no. Let me just say, it's even worse than that. Todd, you're giving them way too much credit. He says to her outside the door, well, what exactly are we looking for? She opens the door and Hotch's mid-sentence, what we're looking for is... He's already, he's already started the profile without the sheriff. Right. There's, there's people there. He doesn't need the sheriff. There's other people. Right. No, I don't need the guy in charge. <laughs> they always, you always wait for that damn sheriff. And, and he, 
he just happens to answer his question, which he could not like. Ugh. As soon as she opens Clunky. the door. Clunky. Yeah. Clunky ready. So what are we looking for? <laughs> what we're looking for? <laughs> Jeez. Boo. And as usual, during our profiling scenes, the all the salient points are made by the whole team. And the scene is flipping back and forth between here and the uh, park where they're saying basically the same speech to each group. And I'm okay with that. That is a device where Hotch is giving one profile and Gideon and Morgan are you know, giving the profile in the other location. I'm cool with that as a device because this is one team. They're going to come to the same conclusions. They're delivering the same profile. That's fine. But, you know, let's not, you know, really pander to the audience by answering questions that the guy couldn't learn. <laughs> hey, AJ, uh, yeah. Two on the nose. Uh, Just two on the nose. You are correct. So, basically, I'll go over briefly the details. We got two offenders. They must be in great shape. But as usual, and as we have learned before, the killing teams tend to have one weak person on it and one strong personality on it. They haven't shown any sexual interest in their victims, so they're either developmentally prepubescent or they could be related because immediate relatives wouldn't discuss or perform sex acts in front of each other. They wouldn't do that. So they're probably related. And if they're related, they can have an us versus them mentality. They probably have some kind of unbreakable bond with each other. Also, these guys don't show any mercy. They take pleasure in watching their casualties die a slow death. They're apparently using a compound bow, which requires great precision and presents them with a challenge every time, which they probably love. Hunting is their sport. Humans are their targets. Good luck. We out. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. We out. Yeah, I will say you know, I did find it amusing that Gideon's like, explaining why the compound bow was the perfect choice and blah, 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 blah. I'm just like, oh, suddenly you're an expert? You didn't you didn't know what an arrow was <laughs> <laughs> two scenes ago, but now you're an expert on the compound bow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> we cut next to Hotch. He's getting a call from Garcia. She called him, but he just gives her instructions. <laughs> like she knew he was, She maybe he told her previously to call him. I don't know. <laughs> Because he yeah, starts yeah, right they're away. Constantly checking in. But yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> he tells her that uh, if these guys are buying weapons close to home, they're going to need a list of the hunting stores around Spokane County. Uh, and then he sees JJ heading over to him, so he tells Garcia he'll he'll call her back. And JJ says, uh, "You should hear this." We cut to Reed Hotch and JJ talking to a woman who has come into the office to explain that her friend Bobby is missing. Uh, she was going to stay with her before a job interview in Spokane, but she didn't show up. And when that happened, this woman knew that something was wrong. She was the one that convinced her to stay with her. And now she's distraught. She feels guilty. JJ says this wasn't her fault. Uh, asks her if maybe they should go out and get some fresh air. Sheriff Schaefer says to Hotch that she's only been missing since last night. Are you sure this is related? And Hotch says he's not going to wait to find out. He's going to fax this new info straight over to Gideon. Okay, fair. I, I don't think we really needed this scene. I mean, uh, couldn't JJ just called in and said, hey, uh, we have another missing person. Her friend said she couldn't be here. And here's her photo that I got. Like, yeah. 
does the same thing because this woman i mean this wasn't wasn't a bad acting job but like i didn't think there was anything special about this scene no i agree (laughs) Next, AJ, we cut to the forest. Uh, Ranger Evans is asking the team why they've taken another victim so soon. And they tell her, well, it's hunting season. They can't waste any time because in two days it's going to get crowded around here and they won't have any more privacy. So if Bobby Baird, which is our new uh, new kidnappies name, if she's on the next victim, she could be on the way at any moment. Evans radios the out to her team that she wants some roadblocks set up. Okay, fair. Mm-hmm. Again, another scene that means really nothing, but we already knew everything in the scene. <laughs> yeah. We next cut to Paul and Johnny driving along. And I gotta say, they are jamming to more than a feeling, which I can appreciate that that was, that was a, nice. A good <laughs> jam. I don't know if it thematically means anything, <laughs> right. but, you know. And cool. Yeah. Uh, then we uh, pan to the back of the car or truck. I can't really tell what vehicle they're driving here. We see Bobby in the back, hogtied, basically duct taped across her mouth. They stop the car. They pull her out. She, the, she, they have her thrown down to the ground. They're in the forest. And our, our good old boys are laughing as Paul cuts her loose. She struggles a bit trying to fight back. They've got a feisty one, they say. And uh, she rips the tape off of her mouth and starts to scream. They laugh. They just laugh at her. Paul tells her to go ahead, get it all out. They tell her no one can hear her. Oh, and by the way, she needs to save her strength. She's like, what? What do you want from me? And Paul says, you want to have some fun? And then he tells Johnny to tell her. Johnny pulls out the bow and arrows set and tells her she needs to start running. After a beat. She doesn't think about it too long. She takes off and starts to run. They give her a few seconds head start, and then they take off after her. Okay, hey, you know, well, fine scene. Not, no, no complaints. Uh, you know, hey, give her a head start. Go. Boo. Tick, tick, boo. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get right to it. We cut to Garcia telling Hotch that Bobby Baird's last two phone calls were to 911. The calls only lasted a few seconds before dropping. She was on Highway 2. Sheriff Schaefer says that it's a dead zone for cell phones. And Hotch asks her if if there's any idea what the trouble was. But Garcia says no. By the time a cruiser went out there to check it out, there was no sign of her or her car. And also, speaking of missing cars, Garcia is still looking for Alex Harrison's. Another scene that is fine, you know informational in another episode i would have been like cool we're, we're getting closer but this I, I just feel like this whole section here is just spinning wheels because look they're 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 hunting bobby at this point you're like okay definitely we ticking clock right <laughs> Even if we didn't have the, the three-day thing ticking clock uh okay can we find her no <laughs> Uh, we, we, we we traced her call. Okay, is the car there? No. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, it shows they're working, but no. <laughs> yeah. So next, AJ, we cut to the uh, forest. Ranger Evans is, again, pointing out that they're in the middle of three million acres. Bobby could be anywhere. Right now, they only know two of the motor site, murder sites. There doesn't appear to be a pattern yet. Uh, contraire, says Morgan. We now know that both sites are low-lying, and they could be tracked from above. And Prentice says, well, maybe there are blinds built into the trees, or at least access to them. 
And Gideon says, if they had good vantage points, they could see their prey for miles. I can see for miles <laughs> and miles. We next cut to some random camping area. There are four campers there. They're unpacking their supplies. All of a sudden, Bobby runs up. She screams. She asks for help. She starts to explain. Two men are chasing her, trying to kill her. And then all of a sudden, one man is immediately shot by an arrow. The woman that was with him runs towards him to see what's going on, and she gets shot as well. And another arrow thunks into a nearby tree, and I think we know who that shot was from uh, <laughs> of our of our two hunters. Yeah, let's call that a clever a clever little uh, choice there. <laughs> yeah. The surviving two campers and Bobby do the smart thing, which is to take off running. Johnny is there with Paul. He tells Paul that she ran a lot faster than he thought. And Paul tells him, well, now things are getting fun. Yeah, I mean, you didn't think that these guys would just start randomly killing willy-nilly. Uh, you know, they have their one target. But, hey, if she's got help and they let her leave with these people, then their hunt is over. So I, I yeah. get uh, from their perspective. Disturbed perspective that, oh, well, fair game. Sucks to be you. <laughs> Might have been in the right place, but it was the wrong time. <laughs> Where's Dr. John when you need him? <laughs> I, yeah, well, these two people, I think, are beyond needing doctors. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Corner John, maybe. <laughs> After a uh, quick break, we come back to the campers and Bobby on the run. Uh, the woman camper is tired. She wants to stop for a minute. And they figure, yeah, it's a good time now to stop and argue for just a second. <laughs> Let's do that right now. Yeah. Because <laughs> the man definitely wants to ditch Bobby. He's, you know, clearly blaming her uh, for all the troubles that are heaped upon him. And while he's not wrong, I would say he's a little bit jerky here. His wife uh, is saying, uh, you know, that she needs to stay. They need to stick together. And he just is like, well, you know what? You stay a as far over away from us as you can as we're together. <laughs> uh, basically, uh, if they're trying to kill you, maybe we'll get lucky and they'll just kill you. But clearly, you guys are already involved in this. <laughs> yeah, so. I, I, like you said, he, he's not wrong. And there is something to be said for splitting in two directions because look if they're after her they'll they'll follow her first maybe they'll circle back to us at some point but maybe you know our their best bet is to separate and, and ditch this woman at this point to be honest <laughs> yeah. and and bobby says you know what instead of referring to me as she and you try using my first name and this guy doesn't want to know her first name he wants nothing to do with her we then cut back to the sheriff's office and hotch is again talking to garcia she has found uh, three stores outside of Spokane that sell the type of arrows that he's looking for, and she's already sent him the addresses. Uh, Hotch, Hotch tells Garcia she's the man, and Garcia says, no, you're the man. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that was so bad. That was just so yeah. bad. Again, MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You're the man now, dog. <laughs> dog, yeah. Uh, we cut to Hotch and Reed. They are at one of the stores. They explain to the woman there that they are looking for someone who is buying those arrows. Does she have their information? It's possible that it was a group of men, maybe related, that bought this. 
She might remember them because one always does the talking and the other would be uncomfortable if she spoke to him. And the lady mentions that there are two brothers that have been coming to that store for years and they were just there a few days before picking up supplies. The younger one is painfully shy. They had an uncle who was a real quiet man. He passed away some time ago. Uh, they paid in cash, but she's pretty sure that their name was Mulford and that the uncle's name was Joe. Okay, so, they... so she's pretty sure their name was Mulford mm-hmm. and the uncle's name was Joe. All right, just 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 checking that's what she said. Okay. Yes. They thank her and Reed calls Garcia to clickety-clack the info that she can find on Joe Mulford. He comes up, having been convicted of multiple assaults and batteries, and he has owned a service station. When he passed away, it was given to his nephews, Paul and John Mulford. Who was that? Paul and John Mulford. Okay. Okay. Yes. yes. Paul and John so, Mulford. Okay. So they know they know that it's this is Paul and John Mulford here. Okay. Okay. Just Yes. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Just 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 check. It's important to know these facts. Just yeah, get, get, getting the facts straight. Knowing what yeah. we know at this point absolutely. is important. Mm-hmm. Garcia tells the location of the store, I mean the service station. It's right on Highway 2, and it's close to where the victims have gone missing. All makes sense. Everything's falling in place. We've got our guys. Clearly, we've got our guys. Paul and John Mulford. Okay. <laughs> we next cut back to the forest. The ranger lets Prentice know that there's... Still no sign of Bobby Baird. It's getting dark. There's not much they can do now. And Prentice hopes, if Bobby is still alive, that she's found a, found a safe place for the night. Well, we can find out immediately. Cut to. Yes, we can. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we can. Uh, we cut to the campers and Bobby all huddled together now. They didn't ask her to go away when they needed some extra human body warmth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're all huddled together it seems like they're pretty much out in the open, but, you know, still in the forest. They're not, but they don't seem to be, like, hidden away, AJ. <laughs> no, and, and this whole this whole cockamamie thing, turn off the light, they'll see us. Oh, my light's out, bang, 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 no. She just told you to turn off the light, <laughs> they'll see us. What do you care that it went out? Like, yeah. oh, lordy. Yeah. He's, he, he's just, he's, he's, he's a douche. <laughs> They do hear some two noise. They they hear some noises. The woman is is like understandably like nervous about it, and he's like, "Ah, oh, no, I think the footsteps are too light to be them." Wait, footsteps? You hear footsteps? Ah, <laughs> uh, that's either gonna be somebody that can help you, or it's gonna be your guys. But you hear footsteps. I don't care how light they well, are. Well, you know, I think she's speaking metaphorically. I mean, she, she didn't, was she going to say hoof steps? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it, could, it could be a friendly deer or it could be our 20, 25 yards away black bear. <laughs> you never know when they sneak up on you. <laughs> but actually, somewhere right there, we don't really get to see a good view of the distance. But Paul and Johnny are, are right there looking down on them. And they are that close to them. They could have shot them at this point. But Paul says, no, you know what? Let's wait until first light because it's going to be more fun when they aren't expecting it. Hey, delayed gratification. I'm all for it. (laughs) And so they just quietly creep off. Uh, We cut next to morning time. 
Well, we cut next to a shot of the moon for some unknown reason, oh, yeah. which which then a shot a shot of Johnny and Paul walking, and then dissolve today. It's like, can we just cut? It's the next day. Yes, the ranger is there, and she tells Gideon, Princess, and Morgan that they just got in a new missing persons report. Two couples camping over the weekend didn't show up for work, didn't check out with the rangers. Uh, she's organizing a search. I I understand why they do it this way, but that report, I mean, it feels like it just turned morning and assuming that it was, they were supposed to be gone for the weekend, but okay, it seemed like this was their first night. So it's a Sunday, but it, it must be their first day of work now. So it must be a Monday now. Has to be Monday. Yep. Has to be Monday morning. And is it, so it and just they, turned to daylight. So it's what, 10 o'clock now? They got that missing... Because it looks like it's it's 8 o'clock. Yeah, you know, it looks a lot earlier. Yeah, they got that missing persons report real quick, is is my point. But okay. I well, understand. It's fine. This is, it would be fine if they didn't say they didn't show up for work this morning. <laughs> Grandma said, hey, I'm watching the kids, and they didn't come home last night. They were supposed to be here at 3. It's now it's 10. I'm worried. I'll buy that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't tell me they didn't show up at work this morning. Yeah. Sheriff, uh, Ranger Evans is uh, organizing a search. Their campsite was uh, several miles from where Alex Harrison's body was found. Prentice asks if they think there's a connection. <laughs> Do you think this? <laughs> I mean, I get it. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. But <laughs> yeah, I, it, it should be phrased the other way. You're right. It should be phrased. Any chance this is a coincidence? Assume it's connected yeah. and say any chance this doesn't have to do with us. Yeah. I think I think that framing would, would work better for showing that we have brains. <laughs> I Yes. Yeah. Uh, and Gideon does says, of course, there's probably a connection if these hunters are out there looking for more challenges. Exactly. We next cut to the sheriff, Reed and Hotch arriving at the Mulford service station, which is not open and Reed notes conveniently not open. Uh, <laughs> conveniently not open with a, with a little cardboard sign that says closed until further notice. Yes. <laughs> Handwritten scrawl. Uh, should it at least say, shouldn't it have just said gone hunting? Yeah. Wouldn't that have just been, because that just seemed to be what they would actually put there. Yeah, perfect, AJ. Perfect. Gone hunting. That, that would have made me smile. But indeed, they are not there. So the team there is going to search the site. And can I ask you the question that I want to know? And I don't know if this is the question that you wanted to know while watching this scene. Why is Reed wearing sunglasses? (laughs) (laughs) Nobody else is wearing sunglasses. Reed is wearing... He doesn't wear sunglasses in any other scene. (laughs) They're gone once they leave this location. Why is Reed wearing sunglasses? (laughs) Because it's cool. I don't know, AJ. Ah. I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a, you didn't even do. Maybe they're gone hunting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> doing a Caruso. No, I just it just was so bizarre. Like, did did Matthew Gray Goober wake up that morning with a little bit of bloodshot eye and needed to cover it? Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just so bizarre. Reed doesn't wear sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, AJ. They uh they look around the service station and lo and behold they find Bobby Baird's car. So Hotch says, "Well, these are definitely our guys." And we cut back to the campsite. The team is looking around the area. The campsite area is a mess. 
they also happen to find some blood on the ground and there's several vantage points around them where these shots could have come from. And they're thinking, well, we've got two pools of blood, uh, probably got two victims, could be the campers, could be. Uh, and uh, the question Could is, <laughs> question is, where are they now? And the answer comes to Prentice almost immediately. She's standing under a tree and blood starts dripping down on her. Does it? Do wait, wait, does it? Does it? <laughs> Prentice reacts as if something has hit her head. Mm-hmm. And then she raises her hand to her forehead as we're... Oh, no, I've just got hit with something right here in my forehead. Cut to her looking up. There's blood under her eye. (laughs) There's a drop of blood under her eye where it hit her. But we saw her touch the spot above her forehead. Like, ah! Such horrible editing. I think we just missed a little something there. Yeah. Yeah, she looks up high in the trees with the blood under her eye, as you point out. And... There's the bodies of the two dead campers tied up, hanging upside down. And I got to say, they were high up in those trees. Yeah, well, that's what I was, I was just about to ask you. It's like, how high did you think, how high up that were they? Because, I mean, they walked into this area. It, it's a bit of a clearing mm-hmm. there. So when they were walking from a distance, did they not see them? So are they so high that they're above the sight line? And if that's the case... <laughs> That they are so high up in the sky that they could not see them. Why? When we cut back to this scene moments later, the bodies have been retrieved and are lying on the ground. I don't know. (laughs) Did they throw rocks at them until they fell? (laughs) Uh, It makes no sense. Yeah, they got them down pretty quick. I, I even just said cut to a bit later because I figured there must have been some amount of time that has passed. Oh, sure. Some time has passed. I'll grant you that. But if they were so high up that they couldn't have gotten them down in time. And if they weren't high up, they would have seen them. It doesn't work. It does not. So Ranger Evans is asking uh, why this latest couple was attacked if they already had a victim that they had been going after already. Uh, And Gideon points out maybe they had to. Maybe Bobby Baird heard the voices and ran towards them. And Ranger Evans says, okay, so these people were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Dr. John is here. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, (laughs) they weren't supposed to die. And Gideon says, no, they just got in the way. And uh, Morgan comes up and lets them know that Hotch found Bobby's car at the Mulford service station, hiding them in plain sight. They ask the ranger if she's heard of the Mulfords. And she says, we go on a first name basis around here. So why is the next question? The next words out their mouth, not Paul and Johnny. (laughs) Paul and John. Yes. They have their names. Do you know a Paul and John then? (sighs) Oh, we only use first names around these parts. <laughs> you have the first names! Yeah. <laughs> or Uncle Joe, even. You know Uncle Joe? Yes! Something! <laughs> you have their names! Oh, I don't know last names. We'll try these on for size. Yeah, but if you tell me what car they drive, we'll find it. Really? Because you haven't found the cars of the other victims. Yeah. I don't know if I believe you. <laughs> 
<sighs> we next cut to the chase. Well, I'm sorry. We cut to the chase in the woods. <laughs> we cut to the chase where the beast is operating. <laughs> and um, our 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 last remaining male camper, whose name is Luke, by the way, he gets shot by an arrow <laughs> just out of the blue, basically. Not only this, he gets shot by. Oh, this 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 angers me. This this is where I lost my marbles. <laughs> okay, Luke is on our screen, facing to the right. Cut to a shot of our uh, first name only Mulfords, who have just shot an arrow pointing to the right. If they had, were looking in that direction and shooting their arrow, it would have gone, and he maybe hit him in the back. But right. if it shot him in the front, they should be facing the other direction. There's something called using your axis and not crossing the line of perspective when you're shooting a television or movie. And what the hell? What fresh hell was this? It's even... It's much worse than the BAU jet occasionally seeming to fly in the wrong direction. Yes, that's just, it's a stock footage shot. I get it. Fine. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> this is absolutely, it's like showing a shot of, of a football team marching downfield, showing the pass go off your screen to the left and come back on the screen from the right into the receiver's arms. Like, yeah! It's TV making 101. T this is a network program. It's network horrible. program. It's horrible. Oh. It is horrible, AJ. <laughs> so anyway, uh Heather Network Program. What, is, <laughs> we find out the girl's name, the camper that was uh with uh Luke. Her name is Heather. Uh, and and Heather is standing right there. I just want to say Heather was actually played by the director of this episode's daughter. It's the daughter of the director of this episode. Oh. So she was there. She said, Dad, you messed up on that shot because you didn't get coverage of them shooting the other way. <laughs> <laughs> Heather, runs <to> Heather runs towards Luke, which is, you know, probably not the best idea when you know people are shooting arrows, but okay. And we cut to Paul congratulating Johnny on getting his first buck. Uh, Bobby comes up to Heather, says, look, we need to go. She says she just can't leave him there. Bobby takes Heather's knife. At first I thought, oh, she took Luke's knife, but I looked at it closely. The, she took the knife that Heather just had in her pocket. She just takes it off her. <laughs> well, hey, she's resourceful. And, and uh, these people are not helping her. <laughs> yeah. She just takes the hunting knife and says, come on, they got to go. Uh, Heather leans down and kisses Luke. She takes off his wedding ring and Paul and Johnny are, are watching from their little vantage point and they're laughing at the whole scene. Watching in the wrong direction, but yes. yes. <laughs> and uh, Paul decides to stop Johnny from shooting the girls right there. This is a continued theme. Johnny wants to go ahead and shoot and Paul is like, no, it's more fun if they can run. He wants to, he wants to play with his food. Yes. As it were. Uh, no. No, no. Meanwhile, meanwhile, I will say Bobby's doing an excellent job of using these these idiot strangers as a meat shield. Yes. <laughs> she, she sure found it. She's like, come on, meat shield, come with me. <laughs> we got we to go. 
Oh, boy. And so the girls leave Luke behind and start running, and Paul and Johnny take off to follow them. Cut back briefly to the service station. Sheriff Schaefer is there asking Hutch, what did these guys do? Just patrol the highway looking for broken down cars. Uh, and Hutch starts listening to their scanner. <laughs> That's right yeah. there. Yeah, I, my, my note is, Sheriff seems to not understand the concept of police radio bands and walkie-talkies. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> Hutch points out, he is very new sheriff. He he doesn't know oh. how to do notifications. Sure, sure. <laughs> he, he doesn't he, understand the radio yet. He <laughs> doesn't understand how sound travels. Okay, fine. <laughs> what are these pictures on this box in my office? That's the television, sir. <laughs> Yeah, so Hotch points out that obviously they were listening to the dispatch calls that were made. Next, Reed calls them over. He's found big storage containers, like you see shipping containers. They have cars in them. He thinks they found Alex Harrison's car. And by the way, there's a lot of cars and a lot of storage containers there. And by the way, JJ is there helping with... Where did she come from? (laughs) Yeah. JJ is there, and she's basically like she's the one who's like open them up. Yeah, and they said there's there's a lot of storage containers. Like, I still don't understand how they didn't notice that there were like 500 storage containers, like on this property, and start searching immediately. I I don't know. I, it, it, yeah, this is a fun episode, AJ. Uh. <laughs> In all the wrong ways. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, Hotch says, uh, yeah, we're probably looking at a lot more victims here. Cut back to the campsite crime scene, and Morgan says he's got, found at least three sets of footprints. And uh, for some reasons, the the rangers have to help him follow the tracks. He can't do it on his own because all of a sudden he doesn't have his skills anymore. <laughs> well, you know, you, you know, it, it helps if you've grown up in this forest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then it would help, but since he did not grow up in the forest, he needs to help someone who has. <laughs> I mean, unless Morgan's just got a deep-seated bear phobia that we don't know about. <laughs> but he's from Chicago. He shouldn't fear the bears. <sighs> oh, I'm boy. sorry. I'm sorry. That was over the line. <laughs> It's okay. I appreciate it. So anyway, he's going to go off and and try to follow the tracks. Uh, And Ranger Evans reminds everybody again that they've got to be back in before sundown. We cut back to what appears to be the Mulford home, or I should say we cut to the the Mulford home. And Reed, Hotch, and JJ and the sheriff are there looking around. There's deer heads you know, on the trophy boards the all around and animal furs all around this place. Reed finds a cabinet that has the driver's licenses of several people pinned on the inside of the door. Many people. And Reed notes that the earliest driver's license appears to have expired in 1980. So they figure out from this that the killing has been going on a long time. So probably, most likely, the uncle started it. And now the nephews are carrying on the tradition. That's a great family tradition. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. That that one, for once in this episode, they're not making a huge leap (laughs) or completely ignoring all the evidence in front of their face. So, bravo, kudos, (laughs) (laughs) bravo. Uh, We cut back to the forest. Bobby has stopped running, and Heather asks what she's doing, and Heather doesn't want to stop. 
But Bobby says, you know what? We are playing these guys' game. They love the chase. We're just giving them what they want. And Heather points out, well, you know, perhaps if we don't keep running, we're just going to get shot and killed, <laughs> basically. <laughs> I mean, she, look, she's not wrong. There's two ways to go about this. It's run yes. like hell and hope you get to somebody. Uh, of course, that didn't really work out last time for Poppy. But hope you get to like somebody with a weapon or someone of authority. But if you don't know where you're going, which is clearly the case here, and you could figure out some way to get the upper hand on these guys, then yes, I do think that there is a time and place to say, all right, we got to make a stand. So yeah. I am with Bobby on this one. Nice. We cut back to the Mulford home, and Garcia is uh, on the phone with Hotch, and she's saying, Paul and John Mulford, 26 and 22, were orphaned as toddlers. And Hotch says, oh, abandonment issues. And Garcia <laughs> says uh, the state kept them together by finding their only living relative, their uncle. Good job, state. <laughs> Hook him up with crazy ass killer hunter uncle. This guy raised his nephews off of the grid. They never went to school. Reed says they had no socialization other than with the patrons that would come into the service station. And JJ says uh, about the uncle that he was drafted in 1968 but she doesn't tell us by which team. Garcia. <laughs> okay. Chicago Bears. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Garcia says that he was released from duty two years later after that uh, because there were reports of hallucinations and delusions. And Reed says, well, these boys were raised with no social compass by the only relative that they ever knew. And Hutch says, yeah, a psychotic possessed with bizarre beliefs who taught them how to hunt and who to kill. He shows them a picture of the two boys standing in front of a welcome sign of the Boise National Forest with their bows and arrows from when they were much younger. And Hotch says they've been hunting in the, those woods for their entire lives, which I feel like we've kind of already established that they know the woods, but okay. Yes, they know the woods. We got it. <laughs> <laughs> we cut back to the forest. Paul and John are there. Johnny are there, and uh, they find a piece of Bobby's sweater. They split up to go ahead and track her, and Bobby is hidden. And she points to Heather with those, you know, the secret point that you do when you're trying to tell somebody to do something. I never understood these points, but apparently everybody knows what the point means. But apparently Heather is wrong because what she does is she picks up a rock or something <laughs> and, and, and throws it off in one direction to uh, distract Johnny and Johnny turns her, his head and Heather starts to try to crawl out like I, I guess right in front of where you can see I, I I don't know what Heather was thinking here Heather did not plan appropriately <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bobby is like whispering at her no don't but Johnny sees Heather and all of a sudden Johnny is an expert marksman now he is able to shoot and kill or shoot at Heather and hits her. Bobby, as 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 Johnny turns his head, Bobby immediately rushes out, and she's got that knife, and she stabs Johnny a few times in the gut. Johnny collapses, and Bobby takes off running again. She does pause for a moment over uh, Heather's body before she bounces and says, I'm sorry, and takes off running. Uh... <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it's not really her fault, but <laughs> yeah. Unless, unless she said to her, unless you know, in in the deleted scene, it was like, "Here's what we're gonna do. You're gonna throw a rock over there to distract him, and then you crawl very slowly yes. out from your hiding right. spot." <laughs> uh, no, trust me, he's never gonna see you. That would have been a great scene because <laughs> it would have changed the whole. I would have all of a sudden loved this episode, I think. <laughs> so, yeah, so she takes off. Johnny is sitting there moaning in pain. Paul hears. Johnny rushes over to him, tells him it's going to be okay as he looks around. And we see Bobby staring at them from wherever she's hiding. It's not very clear, but she's hiding and she can see them. Now she's using the vantage point. <laughs> ah! And we cut to a break. Turnabout is fair play. The hunters have become... Dead. <laughs> we now come back uh, from our break, and it's now the next morning. Is it? It's some other time. Who the hell knows? <laughs> I don't know. I, it's all a blur at this point. Yeah, time is is happening. <laughs> it's a flat circle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ranger Evans comes over to Gideon. She's found the IDs of two of the campers, Joel and Taylor Bryce. She confirms they were married. Morgan t- radios in to tell Gideon that they have followed the tracks. They can see something in the distance. Can he get to higher ground? So, luckily for us, Gideon is already on a hill. <laughs> <laughs> yep. When uh, when he's called in, so he's basically steps away from higher ground. <laughs> so he and and the ranger walk maybe ten feet <laughs> and turn around. <laughs> Because it's, it's much higher ground than where they were before. Look, Mandy, don't do no hiking. <laughs> <laughs> they turn around and they can see some smoke coming up from the distance. We cut to what appears to be the source of the smoke. It is Paul has, and he has built a fire. Uh, he's trying to warm up Johnny. Uh, he's telling Johnny, "Hey, you're gonna be all right. It's gonna be okay." Johnny is like, you think so? And Paul's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As far as you know. <laughs> yes. Don't look too much into that statement, though. <laughs> yes. Actually, he says he knows so. Uh, you just got to hang in there. You just got to be strong. It, it, it's a lot of blood, but it's going to be all right. It's a lot of blood, but it's just a lot of blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What does a lot of blood mean? <laughs> You're fine. It's just a lot of blood. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So you know what? He's gonna go take care of their friend, and then he'll come back and uh, help him get stitched up. You'll be good as new. He promises. Fine. We cut to another part of the forest, and Bobby is screaming. She's tired of running. She's she's had it. Come on out. Where are you? Where are you, she's dude? All but going warriors come out and play. Yay. <laughs> yeah. What, are you a coward like your brother? Come on out. At this point, Gideon, Prentice, Morgan, and the rangers have gotten to the fire. They see that Johnny is laying besides it. Evans points out that it could just be some campers. They come over, guns drawn, quickly see that he's covered in blood. Mm-hmm. Gideon kneels beside mm-hmm. him and says, Oh, we got to get him out of there. Uh, because... Apparently, Gideon thinks he's one of the campers, even though they know that they're looking for the Mulford boys. They faxed over a picture of Bobby 
Immediately, Hutch faxes this this over. Yes. So we know there's a way for them to get information. Mm-hmm. It's been a real long time. They've been out there. Cops are coming and going. There's a whole search going on. We know that they're going <laughs> to look for these Mulfords. We know they have driver's licenses because that's their job. They drive the tow truck. There's pictures. You mean to tell me that no one thought to get Gideon, Morgan, Emily, Ranger Evans, a picture of the goddamn person they're looking for? <laughs> uh, and this person lying on the ground who clearly fits the unsub's description. Very close to another dead body. <laughs> doesn't think for maybe even the smallest little second. What's your name? Maybe he's the unsub. <laughs> What's your name, kid? Tell me your name. <laughs> I respect that he's come over to him like it could be. Sure, you don't shoot him. Person. You don't just shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> they, hey, guys, I got him. Punch, punch, punch. No, no, that's the Morgan tactic usually. Slightest inkling clearly is not. Oh, you're okay. You're okay. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna help you. You're all right. Don't worry. Everything's okay. And it only compounds itself the next scene. Let's just let's please move along. Please move along. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. So <laughs> Gideon says, "Oh, we gotta get uh, this guy out of here." Evans is gonna call for an evac, and Gideon asks Johnny if he can hear him. He introduces himself, says, "Jason Gideon with the FBI. We're gonna get you out of here." Gideon asks if he's out there alone, and Johnny reaches up his hand and points to Heather's body. So Morgan goes over there. He confirms that uh, this woman that they found is deceased. (laughs) Yes, that's about all you can confirm at this point. She is a woman, or rather she was a woman. Next, at this point, we cut to Bobby, who's all of a sudden running through the woods again. She's looking around. I guess she still hasn't baited out her prey. No, but she stops in front of a tree with a lot of branches, and she kind of looks up and kind of goes, hmm. So I think we all know what's coming. Mm -hmm. She's going to decorate herself in camouflage and hide in the mud. (laughs) Hunger Games style. (laughs) If I can look like a tree. Predator uh, style. (laughs) Uh, we cut back to Prentice and Morgan telling Gideon about Heather's body. And Gideon now points out that the other victims were shot in the chest area. And this boy appears to have been wounded in the lower abdomen. And it looks like he was stabbed. Gideon kneels, kneels by him again and says, uh, Are the men who did this to you still in the woods? We have an FBI team looking for him. And it, it, it's all right. Don't worry about it. They have an order to shoot if necessary. Still no clue. Gideon has no clue. Hey, he's been stabbed, not shot with an arrow. Hmm. (laughs) And Johnny says, no, 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 don't shoot him. He's all I have. (laughs) Gideon says, uh, he doesn't say, oh, but he realizes now at this point, finally, who he has with him. And he says, is your brother out there? Oh, what's your name? <laughs> Jesus. Johnny says, I'm Johnny. 
<laughs> and Gideon says, oh, okay. Well, uh, you need to tell us where Paul is before it's too late. We next cut to Paul tromping around in the forest looking for Bobby. We look up in the tree and see Bobby looking down. She's got the vantage point now. We cut to Morgan telling Prentice that uh, he said is he's about a half a mile due east. So they head off in that direction. Which, by the way, he has no idea where his brother is. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's be honest does, here. He's been he lying know? here. Paul ran off. He has no idea where his brother is. <laughs> yes. We cut back to Paul. And uh, he's right below now the tree that Bobby is in. He's looking around. And she drops out of the tree like a ninja and attacks Paul. She stabs him real quick a few times in the back. And then she gets up and runs away. Paul does manage to get up. He staggers after her. And he shoots an arrow after her. But now his shot is the one going into the tree. Well, in fairness, he has been stabbed. He has been. <laughs> well, yes, he has been stabbed. Bobby turns around behind the tree. She looks over, and all of a sudden, Prentice is there. She's motioning for her to be quiet. So she throws a rock to distract him and crawls out. <laughs> Isn't that what that, that signal means? I thought we established that. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, and now Morgan is there. He sees Mulford. He tells him to drop his weapon. Paul does not drop his weapon. Instead, he raises it to shoot. So Morgan is made happy because he gets to fire his gun at the unsub, fires three quick shots at him. We see immediately Johnny has heard these shots and he starts crying and Gideon is just trying to comfort him, which is very nice. <laughs> Morgan and Prentice rush over to Paul. He is down. Morgan tells Prentice that he's clean after searching him real quick. Gideon is still telling Johnny, it's okay, it's okay. He's stroking his face and eventually... Johnny passes on. I will say it was it was very very amusing to me because uh, I do watch with the closed captioning. Um, there's a very sad, simple chord progression being played by guitar over this sequence of you know Johnny dying and, and you know it's it's so sad and it's, it's, it's quiet and it's nice uh, and all it says is rock music playing. <laughs> 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 and yes, this is from a band called Band of Horses who are from Seattle, so it's very, you know, wow. regionally appropriate. So we were talking about Washington, Idaho. So, okay, Pacific Northwest, I'm cool with it. And the song picks up a little bit later on, but this, this is the sad, slow beginning of the song, but like really rock music playing. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm, th I'm thinking you're watching this on mute and just reading it like Johnny's dying. Yeah, so he dies, Johnny, and uh, Gideon closes his eyes, and Morgan tells Prentice he's going to go off to call Gideon, so she's got to stand there holding her gun drawn on Paul because he's, he's not quite dead yet. I'm not dead yet. I think I'll go for a walk. <laughs> I feel happy. <laughs> Bobby walks up at this point and uh, asks if he's dead. And Prentiss tells her soon. Bobby asks her, how can these guys do something like this? Emily says, because they don't think like you and me. And then she lets Bobby kneel down. <laughs> <laughs> As most officers would do. <laughs> 
Yes, so Bobby kneels down and <laughs> in order to taunt the dying Paul, she says, Ah, how does it feel? Ha! Looks like looks like she had all the fun instead of him. Uh Paul's eyes close and he dies. So he was alive just long enough to hear hear Bobby say that to him. I mean, look, Bobby was kidnapped <laughs> and forced to run for her life, and they wanted to kill her. She has every right to have those feelings. I begrudge her nothing of course. for expressing them of course. and taunting them in his face. That said, yeah, there is no way in his hell that you let her get that close. I don't even think they disarmed her. I yeah. think she probably still had the knife. Yeah, if she wanted to start stabbing the body, she could have because Emily was no. She was just letting her do whatever the hell she wanted. I mean, in, in fairness, they knew he was going to be dead any second anyway. But, like, seriously? Seriously? Yeah. Why not? Just one more to the pile of this pylon of us on this writers this episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Paul's eyes close. He dies. Bobby gets up and walks away. Then we see a shot of Gideon with Johnny's body, and he's looking up uh, dramatically. And then... He looks very sad. Yeah. He, he does. He looks very, yeah. very sad. Yeah. Yeah. And then we cut trees, dolly shot, into the air. B-A-U jet. B-A-U jet, yes. (laughs) So Emily gives us our episode ending quote, AJ. She says, British historian James Anthony Froude once said, wild animals never kill for sport. Man is the only one to whom the torture and death of his fellow creatures is amusing in itself. Fair. (laughs) Although I would argue maybe we can't 100% know that. It's not amusing to a bear to go out and (laughs) grab a salmon. (laughs) Primates in general, you know, I'm sure there are some sharks, you know. Hey, I've seen my cat when they they find a mouse and they're, ha, ha, play with it. (laughs) So, yeah. But okay. (laughs) Still fit. We get quick shots of lots of folks getting into sleep on the jet. Uh, Reed is reading uh, looks like maybe a National Geographic or something I don't know <laughs> read reads yes. it's always read reads <laughs> but Emily is in the, in the back sitting there sort of lost in thought and Derek walks up to her asks her if she's okay she says Bobby Ballard, Baird asked her a question that is sticking with her she asked how do these guys do something like this and Emily told her they don't think what, like we do but the truth is, we do think like them. And Morgan ponders on that and says, yeah, we do. Because it's our job. We need to know how it feels. Emily says, well, we hunt these people every day. The question is, how different are we, us and them? And they look real contemplative at that. And the episode ends. And I don't know why, AJ, this scene irritated me the most. <laughs> <laughs> Please elaborate. I was like, yeah, what? You, you're equating yourself with... The, we, we know how you're different. You hunt the bad guys. They are the bad guys. Shut up. I, it just irritated the hell out of me. I'm sorry. Quickly, behind the scenes, this is how I work. I, I, I watch our episodes once and then without taking any notes so I can get the feel, see how what my immediate feelings were, my immediate reactions. And this reaction of anger came upon me at the end. I didn't want to go back to take notes 
<laughs> on this episode. <laughs> I really didn't. I'm glad I did because I felt a, found a few more moments that I thought, okay, at least it had that. But uh, it was hard. It was hard. Yeah. Yeah. There, <laughs> there were a lot of questions raised in this episode by the BAU team, uh, verbalized in dialogue, where the answer was either duh or no duh (laughs) (laughs) and that's what so how are we're not different from them no we are duh yeah (laughs) there's a very big difference like yeah okay you're forced to think in a way that's similar to them sure you are hunting them, but you're not doing it for fun. You're not doing it because, ha ha, let's catch these people at random. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. And, and you feel remorse. You feel remorse. Yes. All of you feel remorse. Yes. You're, you're, even when you get the job done, you've caught the bad guys and you have to kill them. You're not going, <laughs> Gideon was not happy at the end. He, he was he sad. He was practically sobbing. He, yes. Uh, and I feel like I understand if that's, if that's what you started your thesis with when you were writing this episode, if that's the direction you wanted to go, you got to make them earn it somewhere over the course of the episode. You can't come up with this in the last second and just say, oh, gee, quick little thought. Why? What? Uh, you got to make me see why you're asking yourself that question. And that didn't happen. Yeah, and, and there was a way to do it, even with what the, what led up to that scene. Even if the rest of the episode plays out exactly the way it plays out if she reacts to it by saying something with bobby stuck with me what's that she said i don't see how you know they can do what they do and she just did what they did she stopped what she 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 turned into the hunter and she killed them and at the end she taunted him like she had become them that's the thing that could have stuck with her yeah. Like how, how fine a line it is for someone who never would have thought of doing it to doing it and almost taking delight in it by taunting him at the end. That's where it was there. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, folks, uh, ooh, this episode is running long. I knew it would. Um, <laughs> you know, the worst ones always do. <laughs> but uh, anyway, let's uh, do our normal episode ending stuff, AJ. First of all, we have something we call the Bowerometer, which uh, lets us know if we think the BAU team has quote unquote won or lost a particular episode. Yeah, and I'm calling this one a push. This is a no decision. I'm not, look, they, in the end, you know, they were searching for them. They, they found them, and I'm, I'm not going to fault them for not finding them sooner. It's the woods. It was hard. Blah, blah, blah. But the fact that, that Gideon didn't even know that this guy was the unsub when he found him, and, and all of that that went along with it, I'm sorry. Just a push. If, if not for Bobby taking matters into her own hands... Uh, we would have had every one of the victims uh-huh. dead at the end of this. And perhaps the brothers would have fled if they found out somehow by listening to the scanner that they were being searched for. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree with you more. I actually was thinking it was a loss. But when I watched it a second time, I feel like they they actually did do a little bit more investigative work that I had noticed. But they didn't do anything that mattered. At At the end, it was Bobby... Who I liked her character, by the way. You know, if I'm going to point out things I liked in the episode, I thought she was, you know, feisty and good for her. 
she wasn't a victim. Like she she was obviously the victim, but she didn't play victim. She she fought back. Yeah. She stood stood her ground. She made do with a horrible situation. Yeah. All right. So that's that. Uh, next, AJ, what we like to do at the end of each show is you give me a little quiz inspired by the episode that we just watched. Yeah, I mean, quiz. Uh, three trivia questions. Yeah, yeah. It's not like I'm going to. It's not a quiz about the episode. It's inspired by, like you said. Yeah. Uh, let's get right to it. We, we run it long. Let's get right to it here. Question one Jake Richardson, who played Johnny. In the, remember Johnny? There was a guy named Johnny in this episode. <laughs> yes. I don't know if you've heard. It's one of the Mulfords. Uh, Jake Richardson. Uh, on what television show, based on a series of children's books, did Jake Richardson appear in 1995? The name of the show is also the name of one of the football players in Key and Peele's East West Bowl comedy skit. What? Ooh. Oh, man. Well, that seems like it should be obvious. What was the one white guy's name at the end? <laughs> uh, it was like Dan Smith. No, Joe Brown. No, I don't remember. Aaron Balake. <laughs> oh, God. Hmm. TV series. And yes, it was Dan Smith. <laughs> BYU. Oh, okay. BYU. Thank you. Uh Oh, there are so many great names in that sketch, but I don't remember them. <laughs> um, but it was the name of a show? Name of a television oh. show based on a series of children's books. Dang it, AJ. I'm not going to get this, I don't think. So uh, I'm going to throw out a guess. Uh, I'm going to say they did a series on Encyclopedia Brown. I don't know. Um, they very well might have, although that was not a Key and Peele character yeah, I, in the skit. Yeah. Uh, this is based on a series of children's books by Judy Bloom. Super and the fudge. answer is Fudge. Fudge. Okay. <laughs> oh. Fudge. I didn't know they did a series on Fudge. I liked Fudge when I was a kid. There you Super go. Fudge. Tales of a fourth grade <laughs> yes. nothing. Uh, Ramona and Beezus. Oh, wait, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good for him. Good for Johnny uh, yes. Mulford. <laughs> Question two. On what television show in the year 2012 could you have seen both the actor who played Paul, one of the Mulfords, or on some of this episode, the actor who played Paul, and Ranger Evans? They both appeared together on what television show in 2012 playing characters named Hoyt? And Ricky. All right. I uh, I actually know this, uh, so I'm not going to uh, navigate forever around this question because I watch this show a lot, and you didn't even have to tell me the name because I recognize this actor, uh, Jim Parrick, I believe is his name, uh, and he was Hoyt Foytenberry in the show True Blood. Excellent. Correct. Ding, ding, ding. And, of course, Ricky was a werewolf <laughs> yeah i don't remember uh that particular plot but i do remember true blood well, I, I, I did recognize i Hoyt. actually noticed the i noticed true blood was in both their credits and i I, uh, I went in and actually 
there's such a slim overlap because apparently uh, Hoyt doesn't appear in season five, which is the season that Ricky appears in. But there was like a couple of episodes at the end of four that they both were, <laughs> were in. So okay. uh, they probably were not on screen together is what I would surmise. But nevertheless, both appearing wow. in the same episode, at least at one point of True Blood. Excellent. So a reunion that you never thought you didn't want to remember. <laughs> <laughs> And my favorite question, my favorite part of every episode, quite frankly, other than the time spent with you, dear friend, is question three. What is the plot going to be of next week's episode of Criminal Minds, the penultimate episode of season two? Yes, Criminal Minds, season two, episode 22, entitled Legacy. 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 Which of the following is the plot of that episode? Is it A? What's going on in St. Louis? Robberies at funeral homes? The BAU is on the case. Is it B? When will unsubs ever learn? A killer taunts police by leaving cremated ashes at the scene of the crime? The BAU is on the case! Is it C? Who is responsible for all of these homeless people disappearing in Kansas City? The BAU is on the case! Or is it D? Why is there a sudden surge of suicides at a school in the Cincinnati suburbs? The BAU is on the case! <laughs> Once again, AJ, all of these are plausible. And, and can, I, can I help episodes. you out? Give you a little hint. In sure. this episode, the BAU is on the case. Okay. Hopefully that'll narrow it down for you. I believe that leaves my choices at four yes. now. So, <laughs> uh, perfect. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say next episode. I don't think we've been there before in the show. So I'm going to say we are going to be on the case. In Cincinnati, that was choice D, I it believe. It is indeed a sudden surge of suicides at a school in the Cincinnati suburbs. You know I love yeah. me my alliteration when I write these. <laughs> that was no exception. Oh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, sir, ah! not what we're going to be doing. We're going to be going... Kansas City, Kansas City, here hey. I come... They're homeless. They all go poof. What's up with that? Wow. All right. And, and, and let me say, if you enjoyed this episode, folks, that we just went through, <laughs> let's just say it's always darkest before the dawn. The season finale, which will be two weeks time, stellar. Stellar. And starts a run of brilliance of this show where it really kicks into high gear. Uh, legacy? Thank goodness was not the legacy of this show. But we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm misremembering. By the way, you did not convince me during the our discourse this episode to like <laughs> this particular episode. Well, nor was that my stated goal, my friend. <laughs> okay, well, folks, that is our show for this week. Thank you so much for joining us as per use. We hope you had a great time. Please be sure to subscribe to rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to spread the word. And let your friends know all about us. You can also write to us at feloniouspundits at gmail.com and you can follow us on Twitter at 
podcast underscore pundits. For AJ Mass, this is Kintad Svensgaard saying goodbye and keep profiling. Wheels up! Stalked in the forest, too close to hide. I'll be upon you by the moonlight side. Do do do. Do do do. Do do do. Do 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 do. Do do. Duran Duran.